We are looking in the book of Exodus for these few weeks and uh, have come to one of the main themes of the book of Exodus, chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, and I want to read verses 2 and 3 to begin. Exodus chapter 6, verse 2 and 3 reads, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. The Hebrew word El Shaddai means something like uh, uh, the sufficient one. Uh, the provider, even the judge, the one who's all-powerful. He says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, that's in the book of Genesis as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, that is the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah, I did not make myself known to them. Now, God is introducing himself in the book of Exodus in a way that he has not done before in history. Uh, Moses and Israel and Egypt is about to find out that God is more than the God that they'd heard about in Genesis. He's the Lord. He's not just almighty, Uh, In the book of Genesis, you find that God is the creator. He's the great sovereign, the judge. But here in Exodus, you find that God is a redeemer, a deliverer. Look at at how he puts this in verse 6, starting in verse 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel... I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the burdens of Egypt. I will deliver you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Verse 7, I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. Verse 8, I will bring you into the land. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Over and over and over, God is saying, here's what I will now do for you. He's not asking them to do anything for him. He's saying, here's what I'm going to do for you. In Genesis, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you get the idea of God as creator. Here you get the idea of God as redeemer. In Genesis, God is a judge Remember how he judged Sodom and Gomorrah? In fact, you remember how he judged the whole world with a global flood? Here, God is a rescuer. And God says, I want you to tell them that I am about to introduce myself in a way that they didn't know me. This is the God of the Exodus. He is the God who gets us out of the problems we find ourselves in. Praise God for a God who intervenes, not just to judge. He does that, but he intervenes to get us out of judgment. 
And he says, I will do it. I will redeem. I will deliver. I will take you. I will bring you out. I will take you into Canaan. It's a heart commitment from God, and this is the name that he's introducing himself as, Yahweh, the Lord. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. In fact, this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, Do we have this text that we can pull up? Deuteronomy 4, beginning in verse 32, 33. God says, ask of the days that are past, which were previous to you, since the day God created man on the earth. (laughs) Ask from one end of heaven to the other and see if there has ever been such a thing as this that has happened or anyone has ever heard of before. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you did and live? Has any God ever attempted to go and take an entire nation for himself out of another nation? There's like three million Israelites that's going to be exiting from Egypt. God's going to do that. God's going to make a way. He's going to deliver them. They're a nation within a nation. And he's going to go in and get them out. Most gods, by the way, were provincial, local gods. In When Exodus is written, gods didn't cross boundaries. They weren't global. Uh, You'd have a Syrian god, and you'd have a Babylonian god, and you'd have a Moabite god, and you'd have an Israelite god. God is saying, I'm crossing boundaries. I'm going to take my people from wherever I find them, and I'm going to gather them up. I am not limited to one place I'm not limited to one geographical boundary. I'm not just the God who can be put in a box. I go where I will because I'm the Lord. See, this is a new view of God, the Creator. He's the Lord. Years ago, I was on the phone with with someone from another church, and they were this man call me because he's having marriage problems and didn't want it in, known in his church. And uh, he wanted to, me to offer some counsel. I, I never have really been that good of a marriage counselor, to be honest with you. Uh, I told him to read the book of Exodus. And my son, who overheard that after I hung up, He said, uh, he walked up to me and he said, okay, Dad, let me get this straight. Here's a guy with marriage problems and you want him to read the book of Exodus. Really good. I said, hey, I could have said read Leviticus, but I knew that wouldn't work. (laughs) Uh, Since then, they kid me when I do some kind of counseling. They say, you're just going to tell them to read Exodus? There you go. But... I have been thinking about that, and to be honest, I think reading the book of Exodus will help you meet any issue in which you find yourself, because God's a deliverer. You meet the Lord, who can overcome all resistance, and in fact is the one who brings up problems just so he can solve them and get his name glorified. This is Exodus. 
There's a pattern, I think, to the deliverance in Exodus, and I think you can see it not only in Exodus, but as God delivers us through life, here's some of the elements of that pattern. One is, God often sends a prepared messenger to deliver us. He often prepares an instrument. This is with Moses. Uh, You find Moses' call in chapter 3 at the burning bush, but you also find God coming to him again. Look in uh, chapter 4 and verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past since you spoke to your servant, and I am slow of speech and, and of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who made man's mouth? Moses evidently had like a a speech impediment. Maybe he had a lisp or maybe he stuttered. I I don't know. But he's supposed to go and convince all these Israelites to follow him. Can you imagine? So Moses says, "I, I stutter. I'm not good at words. And God says, well, I made man's mouth so I can help yours work. Then here's what Moses says in verse 13. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. He doesn't even give an excuse here. He just says, I don't want to do it. Just get somebody else. But God said, no, you're my instrument. You see, Moses was a simple shepherd. Moses had been in Midian in the deserts keeping sheep for 40 years. And Moses was 80 years old. Not a likely candidate to be a great deliverer. But don't underestimate who God may send to help you. He often uses instruments. In fact, I'll tell you something. God loves to stay behind the scenes and work incognito. In, in, uh, in Isaiah, he, God says uh, he's going to deliver them through Cyrus and, uh, in the, from the exile. And uh, Isaiah says, Lord, you are a God who hides yourself. See, God is humble. He stays back behind the scenes. He doesn't like to show off, actually. When he comes, he comes as a baby. We had a, an 80-year-old man this morning came up and told me, he said, you know what? I have 20-20 vision now. And I, I realized he didn't have his glasses on. He'd been to an eye doctor. And he's got 20-20 vision. Had 12-minute surgery. See, I think God can use an eye doctor. Now, people may not recognize people with faith in God will see God behind the scenes. Amen? They see God there. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall, see, they shall see God. So God sends Moses that you wouldn't think would be the guy. He's the guy. Even though he's 80 years old. I like the fact that God can use old people. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. Come on, come on. Help me out here. Here's a second principle of deliverance. And that is that God often changes the circumstances so you'll desire it. In chapter 1, verse 8, it says, There arose a Pharaoh over Egypt who had never heard of Joseph. God often raises up 
pain in life so we will seek a new level of freedom in God. The pain of slavery is often a prelude to deliverance. Amen. Listen at this verse. This comes from Psalm 105. I don't think we have this on the screen, but I'll read it to you. Psalm 105, verse 25. Here's what it says. God turned their hearts, the Egyptians' hearts, to hate his people and deal craftily with them. And then he sent Moses, his servant, whom he chose. He turned the Egyptians' heart to hate his people. That's an amazing verse. That God can create a hostile environment so you begin to want out. Amen. So, because see, if we were just happy in our bondage, we wouldn't be motivated. So he turned their hearts to hate his people. He raised up a Pharaoh that tried to use and even abuse the children of Israel. Here's a third principle of deliverance. And that is that God often tells us to act in a way that that requires faith in order to have deliverance. Describing the Exodus in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 27, he says, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the Pharaoh. For he says, Moses endured seeing him who's invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood. In verse 29, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry ground, but the Egyptians were drowned when they tried to do it. By faith they kept the Passover. By faith they crossed through the Red Sea. God often moves people to a place where he says, now here's what I want you to do. And you're like, oh man, how can I do that? A pastor told, I read recently about a widow who was learning to trust God for her finances and and she was down to her last 20 cents and uh, she didn't know exactly what the Lord wanted her to do. So she would pray, and one day God just spoke to her heart. She felt that she should go to the grocery store and pile a cart full of food with 20 cents in her pocket. So uh, hesitatingly she went... And as she was filling up her grocery cart, she said, now, Lord, what should I do now? I mean, I've got this about full. And she felt like God said, now, I want you to go to uh, checkout lane number seven. So she moved her cart over to checkout lane number seven with 20 cents in her pocket. And the pastor's telling this story, and he says, when she arrived at checkout lane number seven... There was a sign on it that said, "Close or this one closed, cashier out to lunch. And, and it was like God said, just stay right there. So she stood there for a few moments, and then the cashier suddenly showed up. And she moved the sign and started to reach in the grocery cart to count up the items. And suddenly, the loudspeaker gave this message 
since this is our seventh year of business, in appreciation to our customers, we're giving away free groceries to the first in line at the seventh aisle. She got her groceries for free. In fact, she was the only one standing there. But she stood there when it was closed. She stood there because God put her there. She stood there in faith. Sometimes God will speak to us and say, I want you to do this now. I want you to step out now. I want you to follow Moses. I want you to cross the Red Sea. I want you to get in a position of faith because faith pleases God and He wants us to know. He wants to examine our hearts to see if we'll trust Him. In Genesis... They feared God. In Exodus, they trust God. They learn to trust God. In Genesis, they learn to fear Him. In Exodus, they learn to trust Him. He's, he's a judge in Genesis. He's a redeemer in Exodus. And to deliver us, He will move us in the way of faith. Here's a fourth principle and characteristic of deliverance. Deliverance is sometimes delayed to further the glory of God. As they waited until they could not get themselves out, they'd been there 400 years. No way they're going to get out. This only caused greater glory to God. Delays, the way it works is, delays exhaust our options because when we're desperate and we need help then we start looking around what are the options and option after option is disappointing remember the lady in mark chapter 5 verse 26 where she had the issue of blood and it says that she went all these physicians and spent all her money option after option and grew worse It caused her to seek Jesus, that final option. (laughs) What if she had gone to a doctor and that doctor had come up with a cure? She would have went around telling everybody about that doctor and missed Jesus. So if, if a delay causes you to ultimately be reduced to one option, that option being the Lord. Let Him delay. And a delay will sometimes magnify the problem to glorify God. An example of this is John chapter 11, verse 15, where it says that Jesus' friend Lazarus was dying. And he got word to get there as soon as possible. But Jesus delayed. And he tells his disciples in John 11, 15, these words, For your sake I am glad I was not there, so you might believe. Now they were already believers in Jesus. They were disciples. This is after three years of ministry with him. But what he means is so you might really believe, so you might understand that Uh, Lazarus being healed is one level, but Lazarus being raised from the dead, that's a whole new ballgame right there. And you will really believe. So he said, I delayed so you would truly, permanently 
believe in who I am. So here, God is saying he's delaying because he's appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them, but I am now. I am the Lord. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. See, what is God doing? He's bringing them to a whole new level of faith. Here's another thing. This is my last one. Deliverance is often preceded by earnest prayer. You find that in chapter 3, verse 9. It says they cried out to God in their affliction. Samuel spoke of this in 1 Samuel 12, 8, when he says, When Jacob came into Egypt and the fathers cried to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses to them. They cried to the Lord. Often deliverance is delayed and preceded by earnest prayer. I was watching this special some time ago uh, about water buffalo. And water buffalo are most vulnerable to lions at night. And that's their basic protection is reduced to the sense of smell. And they huddle together. But lions are just the opposite. Their ability to catch prey is enhanced at night. Their ability to to see is eight times greater than ours at night. Their eyes somehow catch the rays of the moon and it enhances their eyesight. And so they, they prowl with several in order to surround some isolated buffalo and try to bring down the biggest one so they can eat for days. So they were showing this, and they got this huge water buffalo, and they had surrounded him. Now these buffalo with these, these uh, horns, they, they have powerful neck muscles, and they, if they get under a line, they showed uh, one lion, he got in a bad position, and the water buffalo got under him. He picked that thing up and threw this lion about 10 feet in the air. Kaplop. So they got to avoid those horns. And you can get a buffalo down on its side, but it still can get those horns moving. So what they showed was that the lions have one thing that kills the buffalo. It's called the kiss of death. It's usually the largest lion, a male lion, and he jumps on the buffalo's nose and mouth and encloses it and he squeezes and the buffalo suffocates and I was looking at that and it struck me that that's what Satan wants to do he wants to cut off our heart cry to God that's Satan's kiss of death when he can Keep us from crying out to God. Let me ask you something. And and I know some of you are in varying degrees of bondage and different things. Some of you may be completely free, but maybe there's issues and circumstances in your future. But here's something I want to ask you. Can you still pray to God? If you can, 
Satan's still afraid of you. (laughs) You're still a danger. And freedom is still there because you can cry to God. They'd been in bondage 400 years. They were so, they were massive. They had millions of them, nowhere to go, no one to get them out. An 80 year old man is their deliverer, really. But they could cry to God, and they did. And if you can do that, deliverance is in your future. I love that story. I heard, in, I heard it when I was in Texas about this old Navajo Indian in Oklahoma who they, he had struck oil on his land, become very rich. And he, he took all his money, he still lived simply, and he put all his money into a, a local bank there. But sometimes he would, the banker would see him come in the door and, and he'd know what he, he would need. And the old Indian would go up to the banker and he would say, I fear the sheep will wander. I fear my crops will die. I fear my cattle stolen. And so the banker would take him in this room. He'd set him down in the room and he's in, in, uh, with a big table in front of him. And he'd go in and get some of the man's money, bags of it and set it in front of him and say, okay, I'm going to count this out for you. He'd get another bag until he saw the Indian's face light up. And the Indian would say, uh, no matter if sheep wander, buy more. <laughs> Don't care if crops die. Have money. Not afraid if cattle are stolen. What was he doing? He's reviewing his resources. That's what he's doing. He's showing him everything that's on, that's there for him that if he needs it, it'll help him. You know what Exodus is? It's reviewing the believer's resources. You're putting all the things on the table that God is a deliverer, God's a redeemer, God's a rescuer, God's a bestower, God's generous, God's not only a judge, but he's a savior. That's Exodus. So I've thought about this. If you bring a marriage problem to me, if you bring a finance problem to me, or if you bring a physical problem to me, the best thing I can say, read Exodus. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's my counseling too. I'm kind of partially kidding, but it does help your heart to review your resources. Amen? So you do not fear. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you today, we thank you for this story. We thank you that you have revealed yourself as a redeemer and not just a judge, as a rescuer and not just a creator. We praise you today because we know you through Jesus Christ on this level. I thank you. And I thank you for this service and for this word that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.